Hey guys, this is Eric. I'm one of the ministers here at the Robertsdale Church of Christ. I just want to say thank you for checking out this message, and I'd like to invite you to join us for worship on Sundays at 1030 if you're ever in the Robertsdale area. If you want to find out more information about the Robertsdale Church, head over to our website at robertsdalechurch.com. All right, let's get to the message. I'm praying that God will use this message to bless you and will help you grow closer to Jesus Christ. Good morning. So good to be with you this morning. Thank you so much for coming and joining us this morning. Let me tell you something. Your mind is an amazing thing. The amount of information that your mind is able to comprehend and store is astonishing. Just think about your life. Think about all up to this point, the things that you've learned about history, the things that you've learned about the Bible, the things that you've learned about your careers and the things that you've learned about your hobbies things you've learned about celebrities, the things you've learned about our culture. The amount of information that your brain holds is amazing. You'd be riding down the road, listening to the radio or Spotify, and a song could come up, and you could sing the lyrics to that song right along with you, right? And to, to demonstrate that, I had some songs. If you're listening to Journey, every, every guy turns into just a small town girl when this comes on, right? Just a small town girl, Living in a lonely world, right? And if you're listening to Toto, I bless the rains down in Africa. And for some of us who like vanilla ice, all right, stop, collaborate, and listen. Absolutely. And for our Leonard Skinner fans, us being in Alabama, sweet home Alabama, roll, man, where the skies are so blue. And y'all can't do that roll tide, roll version, although I'm a, I am an Alabama fan. <laughs> but... We could go on for hours and hours and hours and hours just reciting the words to songs that we've grown up listening to or songs that we've heard in church, the songs that we sing praises to our God that we just know in our hearts and in our minds. It's amazing what our minds are able to hold and comprehend and store. Some neurological research um, scientists, people a lot smarter than I am, was able to kind of Put it to where if you were to um, be able to put all the things on your mind onto a hard drive, it would be 100 terabytes of information. That's a lot of information if you're, if you're not, don't know what a terabyte is. Just to kind of break that down for y'all so y'all can have an understanding of how much information that is. 100 terabytes would be 25,000 high quality HD movies stored on a hard drive or 25 million images stored can be stored on 100 terabytes of information or 1 million, I'm sorry, 100 million novels that are around um, 500 pages long. If that was to be put into data and information like, a, like an audio book or, a, um, or a, um, an ebook, that would be 100 million books on 100 terabytes or 650 million documents, PDFs, or presentations can be stored in 100 terabytes. In fact, that's such a, it's a, such a great number of information that is stored. Computers, you have to have very, very powerful, multiple very powerful computers, and you have to have a whole room dedicated called a server room that looks like this to be able to store that much information. And we're all able to do that right here in our minds. Your mind is an amazing thing. The amount of information that we are able to store is amazing. 
And so um, we store all this information. And a lot of times when we, when we think about the, the, the knowledge and the information that we are able to comprehend, it's not just about the information. We're able to recall those things. We're able to feel the emotions of a memory that we had. We're able to allow the, the uh, information that we have to impact the way that we live our lives, the way that we treat others, the way that we view the world. It, and act, it, it stirs within us to action in our lives. So it's not just all about data and information, but it calls us to action as well. Our minds are an amazing thing. And so, uh, and just the ability to, to process that is amazing. And so whenever we think about data and information, um, a lot of times when we think about that, it's like the more information that we gather about a particular topic or things like that, we become more knowledgeable, right? And so we're going to look at um, continuing our walk worthy series. And as we're, as Grayson just great, did a great job reading for us this morning, we're going to be visiting um, Colossians chapter 1 verses 9 through 14 and, um, in our walk worthy series. And we're going to learn how to walk worthy in knowledge. And I want us to look at verse 10 really quick. Just kind of focus in on a particular verse that we're going to be talking about this morning. It says, so that you may walk worthy of the Lord fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God. And based off of our Western culture and our idea of this word knowledge, we're gonna really hone in on this word knowledge and what it means. And so because of our, uh, the way that we view this word knowledge, we think of like, okay, so I just need to learn more information about God and that is going to be able, I can grow in that information, and that's going to help me walk worthy in God. And yes, learning information about God and reading God's word is a good thing, but I don't think that's where it ends. That's not all there is to it. And we're going to explore that a little bit more this morning. Because if we view this word knowledge correlating to information that we have gathered and information that we can store in our mind, we're missing the bigger picture of what God truly intended for us to have when we want us to grow in knowledge. So a verse that I would like for us to kind of go down and look at a little bit that's going to help us get a better idea of what this word knowledge and knowing things is going to kind of help us paint a little bit picture. It's in John chapter 17 verse 3 and this is what it says. And so this verse, Jesus is praying to God. He's talking to God, and he actually gives us kind of the, um, the steps for eternal life, what eternal life is. And he says, and this is eternal life, that they know you, talking about God, the Father, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. And so we read that, and we, we see that word that they know you. And a lot of times we correlate that with, I have the cognitive reality or acknowledgement information that God exists. And that can be a pretty dangerous place for us to land because if we just think that, oh, all it takes is for us to know that Jesus exists, know that God exists, that's all I've got to do. And unfortunately, our culture in a lot of churches for a long time have kind of pushed this narrative of all you have to do is to believe in him, to, to profess your belief in Jesus. And so you can go to someone and say, hey, all you got to do is just like make a informational acceptance that he exists. And if you do that, you're saved. 
because all you have to do is know about him, know him, believe in him, and that's all you've got to do. And of course, that sounds amazing. Like, yeah, sign me up. All I got to do is just believe in him and I can just continue to live my life the way that I have been living. Absolutely, sign me up. But that's not what God intended whenever he talks about this know, knowing the Father and knowing Jesus. So there's a little bit more to it. So we're going to kind of investigate that a little bit further. One thing that um, we do in our culture that kind of helps us um, Another way that we, we kind of misunderstand this, this word of knowledge and knowing things is by the way that we don't apply the things that we learn. The knowledge that we do gain, we don't apply it, and we just keep it in our minds. We have an amazing preacher in Eric. I'm so thankful for him and Haley and their family. They are, have been such a blessing to our church family. Um, and getting to work with him on a daily basis, just personally, um, I get to gain so much wisdom from him and uh, knowledge from him. And I pick his brain a lot um, and when it comes to youth ministry. And I've, I've grown because of him. And I'm so thankful for him and his friendship. And, um, and, but we, on a weekly basis, get to hear amazing lessons that are very dynamically engaging, they're challenging, they're encouraging, that really help us learn more about God. And we have an amazing opportunity to get to sit in here and listen to lessons from Eric through God's word. But a lot of times we can find ourselves that we can, we can kind of fall for this trap of just growing in information where we can sit in here and listen to God's words speak to us on a weekly basis, week after week after week. And all we're doing is just soaking it in, we're taking it in, we're listening, but we're not applying it. And all of a sudden, if we allow that to become a habit, all we're doing is we're becoming consumers of information and we're just allowing it to go in one ear and out the other or go, and we're not applying God's word in our life. And all of a sudden, when we do that, we can become stagnant. And we're not allowing an outpouring of, of action and reaction to God's word in our lives and allowing it to form us and to transform us into who God intended us to be. There is a famous sea in between Israel and Jordan. It's called the Dead Sea. And the Dead Sea is famous for its salt content. It is, it's famous for how much salt is in the water. And so one thing that's interesting about the Dead Sea is it is actually the uh, lowest land-based elevation on earth setting at 1,400 feet below sea level, which I thought was pretty amazing. And because it's so low below sea level, all the water, including mainly from the Jordan River, is running down into this sea. But because there's no outlet to the Dead Sea, all of the minerals and the salt that is running into that it builds up, and as water evaporates out of the sea, the concentration of salt just increases more and more and more. In fact, the salt level in the Dead Sea is 10 times higher than your average, um, you know, bodies of oceans or seas. And because of that, the buoyancy in this water is pretty amazing. You can actually just sit in there, and you have a hard time swimming underwater because you're so buoyant, you can just just float there. There are, there are pictures of people reading books, looking like they're sitting in a chair, floating on the Dead Sea. It's pretty amazing. But also, because of its salt content, nothing can live in it. It's dead. There's no living organisms within the Dead Sea. And so, 
As a culture, sometimes we can fall victim to that, where we have God's word, like the Jordan River feeding into the Dead Sea. We have, we have God's word feeding into us on Sunday mornings. We listen to great sermons. We listen to Bible studies. We read God's word. We have information flowing into us, but we're not allowing it to transform us and have it as an outpouring, an outflow in our lives. And when we keep it to ourselves and we don't allow it to transform us and allow it to pour out into other people's lives and in in our relationships and transform us, we become like the Dead Sea where we're just stale and dead inside. And so as we um, move forward, we have to keep that in mind of like there's got to be some action when it comes to the information that we gather. Um. So just gaining knowledge or head information in our head, I don't think that's what Paul was talking about when we read in Galatians about growing in the knowledge of God. There's got to be more to it. And I believe what he's getting at is that there's not just intellectual information, but knowledge equals interactive relationship. Knowledge equals interactive relationship. The things that we know best are the things that we have an interactive relationship with. For instance, for those that you know, went to college, you uh, are studying a certain field and profession that you're going to be going into, and you learn a lot of information. You get really book smart on a particular uh, field, and you graduate, and you begin working and then you start working in that field. And anybody that's been in that situation will tell you, you don't really start learning until you have an interactive relationship with the workforce and with the people that are actually doing the work. You can learn all the books and read all the books you want, but it's not until you actually start doing it and having an interactive relationship is when you actually start learning that particular field. Another case is, um, you know, my wife, Jody. Like, I know I'm probably the one who, I'm the one who knows her the best other than Jody herself. But I didn't get to know Jody by uh, just knowing that she exists and just knowing that she's a person in the room or reading a manual about things that she likes and dislikes. I got to know Jody because I'm married to her. We share life together. We go through struggles together. We go through good times together. We are raising our children together. We are in an interactive relationship. And because of that, I know Jody really well, and she knows me really, really well. We have an interactive relationship. And so in Amos chapter 3, verse 2, we see God, he's actually speaking to the Israelites through Amos. And I found this really interesting. He says, you only have I known, so you only have I known of all of the families of earth on earth. And so he's talking to the Israelites and he's not saying like, I didn't, I wasn't aware of all the other families and other people in the world. I only knew about the Israelites. What he's saying is like, out of all the families in the world, you're the one I chose to have an interactive relationship with. You're the one that I chose to pour into and to do life with. And so, um, and so you see that even God uses this word of knowing and knowledge in an interactive relationship setting. So as we read Colossians chapter 10 again, 
or verse 1, chapter 10. When God says, or when Paul writes this and it says for us to grow in the knowledge of God, what he's saying is, I want you to grow in your interactive relationship with God. Grow in your interactive relationship with God. Paul writes another letter to another church in um, Corinth. We've got two letters that he had written to them, wrote to them, and we're going to, uh, in, verse, in the first letter, 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 through 3, this is what it says. We know that we all possess knowledge. So that knowledge there is referencing to the head knowledge, the informational knowledge. We all have that to some degree, but knowledge puffs up. So when we just rely on our intellectual knowledge, that can cause us to be boastful, cause us to be proud. It puffs us up. While love, I think that love there is referring to an interactive relationship. It builds up. Love builds up. Those who think they know something, again, that's referring to that intellectual knowledge, do not yet know as they ought to know. But whoever loves God, whoever loves God, whoever is engaging in that interactive relationship with God, God is he is known by God. And I think that's such a beautiful way to look at it is like you can have all the head knowledge about God you want, the intellectual side of things. You can study it for years and years, but if you don't have a relationship with him, you've missed it all. God wants your love. He wants that interactive relationship with him. Jesus even points to this and kind of shows us a little bit into the glimpse of this word knowledge Jesus is giving his famous sermon and starting in Matthew chapter five. And as we go through five, six, and seven, he talks about a lot of amazing things. We go, go through the Beatitudes. He talks about how we are the salt of the world. We are, the, we are a light set on a hill to be a light to the world. He teaches us about forgiveness, about loving our enemies. He teaches us how to pray and how to fast. He teaches us how to trust in God. He teaches a lot of amazing things in this couple of verses in this lesson that he gives. He also talks about how there is wide is the path and broad is the gate that leads to destruction. And narrow is the path and small is the gate that leads to eternal life. And very few will go through it. And so we read that verse and it kind of challenges us to kind of go, man, you know, there's, there's a lot of people that um, are going to, that are missing the boat, missing the picture. And so at the very end of his lesson, he gives a simple parable and we're going to study and look into that just a little bit. It's in Matthew chapter seven, verses 24 through 27. And it starts off with therefore, and you know, the phrase, if there's therefore, you got to ask why therefore is therefore, you know? And so what it means is like, we've got to understand the context before that verse. And so I think he, Jesus is talking about all of these things that he had just talked about, but I would like for us to back up just a couple of verses and read, because I think it sets the stage for this parable that Jesus is about to tell. So we're going to back up to verse 21 through 23. And this is what it says. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven but only the ones who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. 
Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did, not, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, he's gonna shoot straight with them. I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. And I wanna focus in on that word, I never knew you. Does that mean that Jesus wasn't aware and acknowledged of their existence? Of course he did. He knew that they existed. So he, it's not just an intellectual thing. It's, I never had a relationship with you. You may have done all these amazing things in my name, but I never really got to have a relationship. You didn't engage in a relationship with me, an interactive relationship. That's what Jesus is after. And so setting the stage for that, we go into now verse 24, and this is what it says. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had the foundation, its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rains came down, the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. Man, we read that and I've always kind of pictured it. Um, you know, whenever you read things, I don't know if y'all do this, but read parables, you kind of like kind of set the scenario in the scene of, the, of different parables and, and kind of put the characters. And so this is kind of a, a spin that I've always had and it kind of fits to what we read about and our understanding of knowledge. I've always kind of thought of it as like, there's this guy who's wanting to build a house for his family and for, for his wife. And he's got this best friend that he's known for a really long time that happens to be a master builder. He's built many houses before that are beautiful and sound. And his friend comes up to him, his best friend says, I wanna help you build your house, but it's gonna take some work. It's gonna be hard. We can't cut any edges. We can't cut corners. In fact, we're gonna actually have to build on top of this rock. And that's gonna be really hard to do because you're gonna have to set your foundation. You're gonna have to maybe drill into this rock, attach your foundation to this rock. It's gonna be really hard to do but it's gonna be worth it. It's gonna be worth the effort. It's gonna be worth the sweat and the tears that we're gonna experience, but just trust me. And so this master builder and his friend <clears throat> and this gentleman, they, they build this house and it's beautiful and it's sound. And as we read in this scripture, you know, there's had some bad weather come and it, it stands up. It, it does what its job. And as they're sitting back, admiring the beautiful masterpiece that they had just created, this master builder looks down the road a little bit and sees another guy starting to build his house. And he, he goes to this other gentleman and says, hey, I would like to help you with this. I'm, I'm a master builder. I know how to make your house secure and how it will last for a really long time. And it won't fall down whenever bad weather's come. But this other gentleman, he says, well, I've read a book about it. I've got a lot of information on how to build houses. I can, I think I'm, I'm good. In fact, I don't wanna build up on the rocks because I've always wanted a beach house. And so I'm gonna set my house here on the beach and I'm gonna have a beautiful view. And it's what I've always dreamed of. It's what I've wanted for myself. And don't worry about me, I'm good. And this master builder is like, no, I, you're gonna need that. You can't build your house in there. And he continues to, to reach out and reach out. But this other gentleman, he 
decides to just build this house on the sand and he, he builds it and it's beautiful. He reads this book, he knows different things that, that it says and he ends up building this beautiful house. But then some bad weather comes and like we read in this parable, it knocks it down and, and that's the fool in the story. And I've just always kind of thought about Jesus walking with us as we are building our foundation because it's that interactive relationship, right? That it's the difference between the two. We have one gentleman who was able to walk with Jesus, walk with this master builder in setting his foundation and learning about all of the, the different things that Jesus taught us from chapter five through chapter seven. And he's applying it to his life. He's listening intently and, and, and not cutting corners. And he's building his, his house on this foundation. We have this other gentleman who thinks he knows best. He has the intellectual knowledge that he thinks he knows what is best for him and his situation. But he doesn't listen to the master builder. And because of that, his house falls. And so on the flip side of that, you know, just imagine our life if we decided to embrace this interactive relationship that Jesus is calling us to in having this relationship with God. Um, imagine our, our families. If we had an interactive relationship with God and how that would pour into our families and how we would love unconditionally and how we would be more gracious and patient with our family members. Think about our workplaces of how we want to be individuals of integrity and to be a light into our workforces. But just imagine if we engaged into that interactive relationship with God and how that would pour out into our workforces. It would be an amazing thing. It would be an amazing thing if we sat in here every Sunday and said, God, I'm ready for you to speak to me and help mold me and change me into the person you want me to be. I'm ready to listen. Instead of us sitting in our, in our chairs and just listening to a lesson and going, that was a good lesson. And we walk out the door and that's the last time we think about it. I have fallen guilty to that many, many times. But I wanna grow in that. I wanna grow in my knowledge of God. I wanna grow in my interactive relationship with God. Because God, it's not about the knowledge. He doesn't care about us growing in, in that area. He wants our hearts. He wants us to love him and appreciate him. And so sometimes we fall guilty to that. And that's, that's understandable, we're human. But as we, as we go through our lives, pray that we challenge each other and acknowledge that we are human, but God wants us to continue to grow in our relationship with him. And so if you found yourself in that place this morning, I wanna encourage you to like, just evaluate that in your life. Evaluate and like, am I allowing God's words that are being spoken to me through God's word or through others? Am I allowing that to, to have an interaction in my heart and in, in my mind? And is it impacting me? Is it changing me? Is it allowing it to out overflow into my actions in the way that I think? Or am I just being stagnant and dying inside like the Dead Sea that we talked about earlier? If you've never been baptized, what an amazing way to interact with God. When we're baptized, we receive the Holy Spirit and we give our lives to him and we begin that interactive relationship with him. It's an, a beautiful, beautiful thing. If you haven't experienced that, we would love to talk to you about that. We would love, if, we would love to help you and assist you in that. And it's a beautiful thing. Um, but if there's anything else that if you just need prayers for the church, there's some encouragement, we're gonna have our elders up front. We're gonna have some elders in the back. Um, 
that are willing and love to be with, meet with you and to pray with you. Um, you can do that publicly or privately, or if you just want to talk to somebody across the aisle, we would encourage you to do that this morning. Um, but if there's any need that you have this morning, we'd love to assist you in that as we stand.